everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here with I Need No Name to bring you the flagship program of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is a special edition for us. It is our flagship show, but we are going to hit the UCL draw hard and heavy. I Need No Name, you were there for all the big news breaking. Uh, how are you doing, and what was your impression when things dropped? Well, my impression is that it seems that no one really cares about this particular UCL draw <laughs> because... I'm seeing absolutely zero buzz about it online. Like, there doesn't seem to be a single specific game that captures the imagination in any way, shape, or form. And I don't know what it is about the UCL this year, but it it just seems a lot more, I don't know, it seems a lot less interesting than it has in the past. Like, there were no big upsets, no big moments in the Champions League during the group stages and now we get this moderately disappointing draw where there don't seem to be any real surprises in any shape or form and manchester city got copenhagen which is well that's just typical but um in general it just seems that people aren't really talking about this all that much yeah and if you look at the the draw and the way it played out i think you're exactly right i mean the buzz just isn't there and there's a reason for it i mean arsenal porto is that really all that interesting uh, PSG and Real Sociedad, PSV Eindhoven and Borussia Dortmund. Hopefully Dortmund can uh, take the pride of the Bundesliga and not get upset in that one. As you yeah. stated, Man City and Copenhagen, Napoli and Barca, which I guess is the most entertaining of the UCL draws here because I, I mean that, that one could be fun just from an attacking perspective. I don't know if Napoli quite has the chops to take down even a wounded Barca squad, but the next one is Inter Milan, Atletico Madrid, and of course, Bayern and Lazio. And Arbe Leipzig, they have to be feeling like they have no luck in these draw situations. Getting Real Madrid, that was a tough one for them. Do any of those appeal to you on on the level of just being a viewer? Would any of those matchups want to make you tune in? Well, I am a person that watches every single Bayern Munich game, so I'm going to be watching Bayern Munich Lazio no matter what. To be perfectly honest, other than that, um, Real Madrid, Leipzig, I think, because uh, Real Madrid do have some injury issues this season. I don't know if you have heard, but David Alaba, mm-hmm. our former player, he just tore yeah. his ACL in his last game. So he's out for the season. That's a pretty big injury for yeah. them. So if they don't reinforce during the winter, they, they could have some issues. That is not to say that I think Leipzig will beat them. I doubt it. I doubt there is ever going to be an upset in these sets of draws that UEFA have given us, but the games could at least be entertaining. Compare that to something like, for example, Inter Milan versus Atletico Madrid, which seems to be, in my opinion, the highest profile draw, but it's between two teams that mostly defend. So like it could it could genuinely be a very tough game to watch if you decide to tune in as a neutral I, I not that i will i i don't have that much time i'm just gonna be watching Bayern munich this time yeah i mean when i saw the initial draw i mean i always think about the conspiracy theorists out there who think every draw is rigged or fixed and it, there may be some merit to that at some point but if you ever wanted to to look at something and say This was done to make sure that the top seeds all got through. This would be the year because I really can't see many upsets. Like you said, I don't see many intriguing matchups here. It just seems like aside of maybe Borussia Dortmund, because they always have the ability to tank 
it seems like you could pick, and I guess maybe that Inter Milan and Atletico Madrid, depending on which team decides to actually score a goal in any one of those games, it looks like you could just pick the winners right now and move on. And and to me, I don't know that there's going to be that level of intrigue that we've normally seen. To me, it was really disappointing, I thought. We didn't get one matchup where I thought, wow, this is this is a big power matchup. Now, personally, I'm glad Bayern Munich wasn't involved in anything like that. I did not want to see them draw anyone that could potentially knock them off just because I don't think they're in a state as a team where they're ready for a major competition yet. I think they're still kind of ironing some things out. Yeah, I I do have to agree. And you obviously do not want to talk draw early in the Champions League. It doesn't help anything. It doesn't help your chances of winning. You look at Inter Milan, they had, they were in the same group as Bayern Munich and we basically sleepwalked through them last season and they made the Champions League final and we didn't. Why? Because they got easy draws all the way to the final and we got Man City. Before that, we got PSG. So I'm fine with getting Lazio, to be perfectly honest. I I have no real complaints. And as far as I'm concerned, maybe a team like Real Sociedad could pull off an upset against PSG. It's unlikely, but it's possible. And maybe Napoli could also beat Barca. I mean, they have been getting losses and draws against some very unlikely teams lately. So they lost to Antwerp recently. So literally anything could happen in the Champions League in a knockout game. But realistically, I think that this is setting up for a very stacked quarterfinal clash, which is very, how should I say it? It's going to have all the big names, but then that also means that the Champions League is not going to get started until, well, March at the earliest. Yeah, this this is definitely a situation where I think it's it's easy for a lot of people to look at this draw, pick who can go through, and then start to start to even visualize what's going to happen later down the line. And, you know, if you're a Bayern Munich fan right now in the last couple of years, you know, it's almost a fatalist opinion if you get down to the next round after this one. It just seems like it's destiny that they're going to draw someone who's going to give them a headache. Uh, but as for this one with Lazio, I mean, if you just look at the numbers with Lazio, it's this is not a, a great side. I mean, they're currently in 11th place in Syria through 16 of their match days, just six wins, seven draws. Or I'm sorry, three draws, seven losses, even their pathway to get to this stage of the Champions League. I mean, it's not like they ripped through their group. I mean, 1-1 draw with Atletico Madrid, uh, 2-1 victory over Celtic, 3-1 loss to Feyenoord. It's just, you go, you go down the line, and it's this is not an impressive team. And it, even when you look at their roster, I, I'm not blown away by anything. I'm not scared by any of the players. Not even all... not even Daichi Kamada? No, and I was just going to bring him up. Not even him. I mean, it's it's oh, we're all going to recognize him from Eintracht Frankfurt, and he's he's having a solid season, but... I mean, can he can he take on Bayern Munich himself? He's got some okay teammates, but just stack their roster against Bayern Munich, and it's I mean, it's so lopsided. Bayern is just for as much as Bayern's depth gets killed, they're just a bigger, better, faster, deeper team than Lazio at this point. Yeah, that you can't really deny that, right? And the fact is that we have faced Lazio recently in the recent past, which was. I think in 20, yes, 2021. And back then, Lazio were a much better team. They had, they were actually doing quite well in Serie A. And back then, people thought that they would legitimately 
well, not beat Bayern, but legitimately give Bayern Munich something to think about. And back then, we also had our issues with like injuries and fatigue. And Thomas Muller was out with COVID. So like there were certain things heading into that game that were working against us. Despite that, well, what just happened? Flick did his usual thing. He put Muziala in to the lineup. And that was Muziala's first, I think, real Champions League game. Like before that, he had only once started, which was against Atletico Madrid. And I think that game against Lazio was the one where he really made his appearance on the world stage because he scored and I think he assisted as well. And we won, I believe the scoreline was 4-1 in the first leg. And Bayern just completely run ran rampant. It wasn't even close. And in the second leg, we didn't really have to do anything special. The tie was almost completely dead by that point. I, I believe Lazio even decided to rest some of their main players. And it was a 2-1 victory for Bayern. And we went through to the next round with a 6-2 aggregate win. It wasn't difficult at all and that was back when Lazio were good this is a year where Lazio are not doing all that great Maurizio Sarri he is not having a great time in charge of them and I wouldn't be surprised even if he gets sacked before he plays us so it would be a decent time to play against them I'm just looking at their who scored page and it says that their weaknesses are protecting the lead defending attacks down the wings and aerial duels which you can just imagine what I think seeing those weaknesses, right? Well, you don't have to worry about protecting a lead if you never get one, right? So maybe that's one weakness that they won't have to worry about against Bayern Munich. Well, I wouldn't count on it. I mean, have you seen the defense? <laughs> I mean, look, we the last two games, Bayern looked almost unbeatable at the back, but we, we, the Eintracht game was just a week ago. So anything yeah. can legitimately happen when Tuchel is in charge. And I think that's the main thing that I believe buying any fans will be wary of not the fact that Lazio could beat us which is very unlikely but what if Bayern Munich beats itself and that's that is definitely always something that's on the minds of Bayern Munich fans and I, I will say this I was very very disappointed in how Bayern looked not just in that Eintracht match but even against Köln and against Manchester United I just felt like that fire wasn't there I felt like they looked lethargic and I don't know if it's just that stage of the season where where the players get tired. I don't know if it's the messaging from Tuchel not sinking in, but something was off. So for me, at least it was encouraging against Stuttgart to see a little more energy, to see the attack actually attacking. That was a, that was a big thing for me. And and to see some players step up and raise their level of play when they needed to. And I think, you know, in that Stuttgart match, we saw some players who haven't got their numbers called a lot really Step in for, for one, uh, Kimmich and Goretzka, but also some of the missing wingers. So I, I wanted to, to really ask you about that. When you watch the Stuttgart match, I mean, we saw some things. We saw Thomas Muller come in and have a very positive impact in the attack. We saw Alexander Pavlovich come in and, and really, I thought, had an outstanding game. Uh, what was your take on that? And how do you think some of these players now getting more of an opportunity might help Byron as they head into this next round of the Champions League? Well, do you remember back in, I believe it was 2013, the treble year, the other treble year, that we were doing quite well, but then Tony Cruz got injured 
early in the Rook Runda, I think, or believe before the Rook Runda, and that caused Yub Heinkes to change the formation where he moved Muller into the center and brought Iron Robin back into the side who had been benched for most of the season up to that point. And that ended up being almost a blessing in disguise because it unlocked far more of the potential of that squad than was being utilized beforehand. So this game where we saw Kimmich and Goretzka both out due to illness, it could end up being one of those types of games because it shows that Pavlovich, he legit has a claim to being a proper defensive midfielder for our team because Stuttgart are not a bad side. I watched them against Leverkusen and they legitimately could have played Leverkusen off the park in that first half. Compare that to how they played against us, they were literally unable to even cross the halfway line consistently against a team that not too long ago had been conceding five goals to Frankfurt. So it's a genuine improvement uh, that I saw against Stuttgart. And I think there is a system there that we can build upon that would not only be viable in the league itself, but also very viable in the Champions League because it was a game where we somehow kept a lot less than 50% possession, but still scored three goals and probably should have scored a lot more if the referee Absolutely. had been... Yeah, if the referee had allowed it or if like we ha had just converted a few of our chances better, which is very different from some of the other games that we've seen where we just keep aimlessly passing it around in a U-shape. So it is... The way I see it, the Stuttgart game was a step in the right direction. The question is, is Tuchel going to do the thing that he actually builds upon this? He keeps Thomas Muller in the starting 11, for example. It's taken this long to get Muller in the position where he is starting in attacking midfield with Jamal Musiala on the wing. It took so, so, so long, and we finally saw the benefits of that. But is he going to keep that, or is it going to be the simple fact that as soon as Kingsley Coman or Serge Gnabry come back from injury. Tuchel is going to abandon this setup, much like how Nagelsmann used to do with his good ideas. He's going to abandon this setup and go back to what he was doing before. That is the question I have, and that is probably something that only the coach himself can answer. Yeah, and it's it's a fair point. I know that I tend to be one that yammers on and on about playing your best 11 together, and that best 11 can change game to game. But in the end, when you need to get a win and you need three points, you need to put your best 11 players out there, no matter who they are and figure it out. The fact that it's taken so long to get Muller and Musiala on the pitch together, it's been a little bit disconcerting because it just seems so obvious. And it seemed so obvious last season when Julian Nagelsmann, you know, he puttered around and didn't really commit to it until it was too late. And honestly, if he would have done that earlier in the season, I think he'd still be coaching this team. The problem with Tuchel, and I think you, you're you're right about this, he seems to be completely set on what he wants to do and what his vision is. Now, he has made some adjustments, but over the course of the season, some of the statements he's made in the press and the way he's handled some of the players, it just reeks of him having his mind made up on, on several of the players. Uh, seeing Muller and the impact that he had and being able to work with Musiala, I thought it actually freed Kane up and let him get forward a lot more than we had seen in the previous games. And I know there's a lot of analysis out there, including some on our site that says, well, Muller and Kane can't play together because they occupy the same spaces. The thing is, I don't want Kane in those spaces. I want Kane closer to the net. I want him being more dynamic in that in the goal box. I want him moving, which over the course of the last few games 
prior to the Stuttgart game, he wasn't moving. He was sitting deeper. He was more analyzing and watching like he was an eight or a six rather than a striker. And, you know, as you've echoed before, they brought him here to be a striker and score goals. And if he's not being used that way, there's an inherent problem with that system. So I was at least happy to see that Muller, Kane, and Musiala all functioned really well together. And I thought it did inject a little bit of energy into Leroy Sané as well, because we've seen Sané and we've seen how good he can be. And we've seen how terrible he can be when he's flat. He's been very flat of late. That was the most, I will say, attacking minded and confident we've seen Sané in a few weeks. So I was very happy with a lot of the moves that Tuchel made in that match. As far as Pavlovich goes, I was I was actually very surprised at his performance. And I'm someone who thinks that Kimmich and Gretzka can still get the job done. But to see a young kid step in in a very adverse situation, handle himself so calmly and, and really step in and, and do a great job, I think we probably need to see a little bit more. But it does give me at least some hesitation to think that Bayern needs to go out and spend 60 or 70 million euros on a midfielder in January. Uh, I'm not convinced that going out and getting Jao Polina or someone like that is going to really impact the squad all that much. And I know I'm going to have to dodge tomatoes and spears and whatever people are going to throw at me at this point. But I just I'm not a big fan of going out and getting a midfielder now. I'd rather see that money spent on a defender where we don't know what's going to happen with Kim Min Jae. I mean, he's going off to international duty. Uh, You want to keep your fingers crossed, but he's going to log every single second. That he that 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 his team plays, he's never going to come off the pitch. So I do get worried what his physical state will be like. And Delict has been hurt all season, so I worry if he's going through some things. And Upamakano, the wear and tear on him. I think all of that money should be diverted to a defender, someone who's versatile, can cover right back and center back. I think that would really be more efficient in helping the team than a midfielder. But you know, you know, for someone you've been very critical of Tuchel. You've got to be at least a little bit happy that he made this step because I know you and I didn't even think he would ever make this move to to include Mueller back and see what that would look like. Well, realistically, he was forced, right? Because Kingsley right. Coman was injured, Serge Gnabry was injured, Chupa Moting. If he started Chupa Moting again, he would have been, <laughs> oh man, he, imagine the amount of criticism he would have gotten if Chupa Moting had started again. And that therefore, that left him with Thomas Mueller as the only option. The thing that did surprise me is that in his press conference before the game, he did say that he was going to put Thomas Muller on the wing, but I guess that some amount of the criticism got through to his head or he was just trolling because in the game itself, we we saw something more akin to a 4-4-2 where Thomas Muller was very much in the center. And in fact, it was very interesting to see that Muller was actually playing further up the field than Harry Kane. And another thing that I wanted to point out is that Thomas Muller, contrary to his usual play style, he spent about 90% of that game just just walking around, like almost like Messi used to do in his final years. Like he was just strolling around the pitch at a snail's pace. And then when the ball got near him, that's when he would turn on the afterburners and start pressing relentlessly. So I think Thomas Muller has started to adjust his game to fit his current physical attributes. And it seems that everything else clicked into place in terms of what Tuchel wants from the team in that specific game. The question is, is it going to stay? And what is the midfield going to look like going forward? Because 
as of right now, based on what I saw against Stuttgart, I would have a midfield of Pavlovich and Kimmich and or Pavlovich and Goretzka. You know, just based on what I saw in terms of performances. I still think Kimmich and Goretzka have are more than good enough for Bayern Munich and they have a role going forward. And I also think that if we can get another midfielder in January, we should get them in simply because having three or four midfielders is not really enough. But I I see potential, really. That's just all I have to say. I see potential yeah, and, and I hope it's just like, you know. I think you're right. And I think I'm not as quite ready to commit to Pavlovich as you are. I think he's got... A lot of talent. I think he looked really good. I think having him allows Tuchel to rotate a little bit more, which I would be a massive fan of. I mean, I, the one criticism I've had of Kimmich over the years is that he will just run himself into the ground. Tuchel seems to be the one coach who has kind of put his foot down about that and will not let Kimmich do that. At least we've seen some signs that he'll Tuchel will at least yank Kimmich out of a game every now and again or rest him. Uh, the the whole. The whole thing with the midfield is is very tough because you see how a different type of player could come in and impact the team. I mean, if if you had a player like, you know, Javi Martinez when he was younger and you could get that type of player who was going to give you that type of quality and seamlessly fit in like Martinez was eventually able to when he arrived at Bayern. Great. But I don't know that you're going to get the same thing. And the fact that Tuchel has been so indecisive about things. It makes me very skeptical that they're going to identify players over the course of the next couple of weeks and be able to not just look at the talent and get everyone internally to agree on it, but also just find a player that's going to fit into this squad. And that's to me, that's the biggest thing. And I think that's why Pavlovich did so well is because he's been in the system. He's been here. He's been observing. He could go in and figure out how he would best fit. He didn't force things. And I, I just don't know if you go out and spend big money on a midfielder at this point, whether you're going to get those same kind of results. I did, although, I, listen, I didn't think Rafael Guerrero was anything special, but I thought he did a solid job as well. And having him there at least gives you that depth. But I, I do still think that center back, right back combo, if they can find the right player who can aptly fill those positions and cannot, and it does not totally upset the budget. I think that's the ideal scenario. I just don't know who Byron can go out and get at this point. There's a million names out there, but this is a it's a difficult spot to fill. Certainly Alaba having that injury is is going to make defenders at a premium because now Real Madrid has entered the chat. This is uh it's going to be a crazy couple of weeks, I think. I, I know usually at BFW we have a little bit of a slowdown on news at this time of year, but I think it's probably going to be ramped up a little bit. Aside of Pavlovich and and Muller, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the back line and and they have been up and down. And I I haven't been quite as high on Dio Upamakano and Kim and Jay consistently. I, they're both fantastic talents, but I I haven't seen the the level of play consistently that I wanted to see out of them. And I think when Matthijs Delict comes back, that will help the situation because again, rotation to me is key. When you have three world class players, you should use them. Do you think, given the statements that Tuchel's made about the lick, that he's going to commit to using him, or is he going to just rely on Kim Min-Jae and Dai Upamakano for the stretch run here? I think he's going to try to rely only on Kim Min-Jae and Dai Upamakano, but reality is always a little bit more complicated. So I think that stuff like injuries and the general form of players is going to get in his way. 
So that is going to cause him to have to rely on, well, Matthias Delict at some point. And I think Delict is the kind of guy, if you give him a few games, he will prove that he is still very much in contention for a starting spot. And once he does that, it'll be up to Upa or Kim, whoever gets replaced, to make their way back into the lineup. The fact is that the argument being made in the media about why Tuchel doesn't like Delict does not make any sense to me because if he doesn't like his passing, like, what are you talking about? What is wrong with Delict's passing, actually? So, who knows? Yeah, it's, it's definitely odd. I, I think it's it's been a weird situation with us at BFW because we do have some extremely pro-Tuchel folks. We have some extremely anti-Tuchel folks. Now, I, I am generally not a huge fan of Tuchel. I didn't really love the timing of the hire. I didn't really love the hire itself. It's not that I think he's a bad coach. It's not that I think he's a bad person. I just think he is exactly the kind of coach that wears down a team. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of that. Even, I know, I harp on this a lot, but even after that Eintracht match, the fact that no one wanted to step up except Thomas Muller and take responsibility for that performance, it told me more about the locker room's relationship with the coach than it did, say, the, the locker room with the fans or the locker room with each other. To not have anyone step up, it was very disappointing. I know Lothar Mathhaus, he had criticized Yeshua Kimmich about that, and it was disappointing to see that that Kimmich, you know, one of the the key leaders of this locker room, did not, you know, step to the podium, take questions, and, and try and settle people down. Uh, you know, you talked a little bit about Kimmich and Goretzka, and you still think they have a role moving forward. There's a lot of fan pressure right now, especially on social media, to get rid of both players. And I, I think it's a little bit ludicrous. And I, I'm not knocking anybody's opinion. And you can feel however you want. But I, I think that those two guys have taken so much heat this season. I don't quite think that fans are are giving them a fair chance at this point. And, and you know, you, you touched on it, but where do you feel like this is going with those two? I mean, you talked about Pavlovich potentially getting more time, and I think that would be great. But do you think it's it's more the situation where Tuchel is pushed so hard that they're going out and they're definitely going to get a new six? Or is this something that the club might reconsider given the recent performances of Guerrero and Pavlovich? I think that this is going to be something, I think it's still posturing at the moment. Mm-hmm. The fact that the club decided to leak those reports, like we are pretty convinced that it was a leak, right? We don't yeah, think that absolutely. it was like some kind of scoop. It was since the club decided to leak that specific thing last week, I think this is some kind of posturing by the bosses trying to A, maybe possibly put some pressure on the players to give it their all in the coming games and try to make sure that they don't get replaced. Or B, and it might not be an or, it might just be an and, to help Bayern itself in upcoming contract negotiations make a better case for not paying as much as they have been in certain situations. Like basically saying Bayern has more options than just these guys, you know? Mm-hmm. So it might be that sort of situation at the moment. So it might not just be the idea that Bayern Munich are 100% committed to uh, changing up who is exactly going to be the guys. How do I actually express this? Like we may not, be 100% done with these guys, but we are looking to 
diversify our options. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. And I, I think that it makes sense on a lot of levels. My only worry with this whole situation and the leaks that came out last week is really that the club is committing to Tuchel over the players. And at, at that point, like I, I worry about how he his long term relationships with with team and we've seen what's what have what has happened at every stop that he's had he will just wear people down with his personality and his decision making it it strikes me as is very concerning that when you had other coaches here who it seemed like the club was going to have a long term commitment to like flick i mean after he won that treble it did seem as if initially at least for a few weeks before they had he had the war with brazo it seemed like he would be a long-term solution. And then when he left, it seemed like Julian Nagelsmann, he was going to be the one, a five-year plan. We all bought into it. Well, some of us did and, and thought he would be here to, to lead the team. Now it's Tuchel. And I think of all the, the coaches that, that, that Byron has had in, in recent history, his views on the squad are the ones I, I probably disagree with the most. And I didn't I trust me, I didn't agree with much of what Carlo Ancelotti or even Nico Kovac did during their tenures. But uh, it does scare me a bit that there's been this kind of commitment to Tuchel. And I, I just haven't seen the kind of impact that I think would warrant that. It seems to me more that it's not necessarily a commitment to Tuchel, but rather Tuchel is being used as an excuse for the board to try and get some of the extreme player power. Mm -hmm at the club under control. Now, the question is why they are trying it now, as opposed to all the other years that we've been through this, because it's not like player power is a new thing at this club, but maybe they just saw some of the salaries getting out of control, some of the players maybe getting a little bit too comfortable in their positions. Some players like Kimmich, Goretzka, Davies, they don't, don't really have any competition, and they don't really seem to be getting any players Bayern don't seem to be linked to any players that could offer them some competition. So in that context, maybe the board wants to shake things up a little. And aside from that, they've been trying to get rid of Thomas Muller since forever. So that's something <laughs> new. So in that context, I believe that this is not necessarily a Tuchel thing. We should remember that Tuchel did not get what was um, like in comparison to Nagelsmann, who got a five-year contract, Tuchel only got two and a half years. And he is, he already finished that small half that he already had in his first season in charge, first like quarter season or whatever you want to call it. And he's already halfway through his second stint. So he doesn't have much more time left on his current contract in comparison to other coaches. This means that we could fire him for far cheaper than we did fire our other coaches, for example. But it also means that gives a certain degree of impermanence to Tuchel's tenure, which is, I think, an example of Bayern Munich just being a little more honest than usual. We are basically just saying, yeah, we get it. Our coaches don't tend to stick around. So why give him these ridiculous contracts? Just keep them for as long as they will stay. It's not like Tuchel is a guy known for building dynasties at clubs. It's more like he's a guy who comes in, wins you trophies right away, and then leaves. And usually the leaving is him falling out with the management. So, you know, never, yeah. that that might be the outcome that we're looking for here. Yeah. And I think it'll be very interesting this summer when it really probably comes to decision time on Bayern Munich. Are they going to start considering an extension and going into 
Tuchel's last year of his contract and how long will that process take if they do want to extend him? It, that will be one of the subplots of the summer, but I think a lot of that will be determined by how Bayern Munich performs, not just in this Champions League, but the second half of the season in the Bundesliga. Nothing is certain this season. We have seen Bayern look great. We have seen them look terrible. It it has not been anything consistent. It's been a, definitely an up and down thing. Uh, the, to me, the, the squad just has so much talent. I think they can turn it around and make things great. But uh, I don't know if Tuchel's just going to grind them into the ground over the course of the next few months. So that'll about wrap it up. Uh, I need no name any final takes for this episode. Which one would you rather win this season, the Champions League or the Bundesliga? Wow. So I'm a weird person like this. As much as the Champions League would mean more money and it would mean uh, definitely more exposure to a bigger group of fans, I think the Bundesliga streak is more important. And I know I'm going to get struck down for saying that, but I, I like that dominance in Germany and would love to see Bayern Munich continue onward with that. Okay, so for me personally, I am of the opinion that no matter what Tuchel does, if he wins the Champions League, he is forgiven. Even if he benches Thomas Muller for every game <laughs> from now on, if he wins the Champions League, he is forgiven. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see that. And uh, it, it's very interesting because, I, I mean, I think he has to win the Bundesliga, right? Like, that's just part of the deal. If he wins the Champions League, then I think he, he is cemented here in getting a long-term extension if he wants to sign one. I don't think there's any question about that. So, uh, very interesting. Uh, I need to name. It was great catching up with you. Always good to be on one of these shows with you. We don't do it enough. So it was good that our schedule synced up in time to do this one. Uh, that'll wrap it up. So check out our site, check out all the coverage we have on the UCL draw. We have a lot coming out. We've got the initial reaction to it. Uh, with the announcement, we have some player reactions and front office reactions from Bayern Munich. So please get over to BavarianFootballWorks.com and check that out. As always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get ID No Name at BFWINNN. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get Tom Adams at Tommy Adams 71. You can get Siler at CYL3R. Like I said, get all of our great podcasters and writers at BavarianFootballWorks.com. We love interacting with you guys. Check us out. Have a couple of beers on BF, uh, on I Need No Name, and myself, uh, we will continue this chatter onward. Look for our preview show to drop tomorrow for Bayern Munich versus Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg, we will see you next time. Yep. Thank you for listening. Good night. Or good morning. I don't know how, what time this is going out. <laughs> Wherever you are. <laughs> yep.